Are you ready to hear the word this morning? Yeah. I want you to stand to your feet for, for a minute. Now, now, to see, are you expecting, did you come to church expecting? Because yeah. see, it's not, just, it's not just the person that brings the word that needs to be ready. But a lot of times what you hear, what, what you're going to hear from him has to do with your faith and what you're expecting and what you're believing to receive. Are, are you expecting for the word this morning? Are you setting your faith to receive from God this morning? Well, I want to invite Eric on up. He's a, he's a good friend of ours from Michigan. They just moved here. And his wife, Nikki, I want to invite them. Man, you're like almost <laughs> as tall as me and I'm standing on there. But anyway, stretch your hands towards Eric. Father, I just thank you, Father, for a word in season. I just thank you for, for this vessel this morning. And Lord, as, as that woman with the issue of blood just touched the hem of Jesus' garment and expecting, Lord, as a church body, we expect to receive from you today, not from a man, but receive what you have through this man. And we just thank you for great things. We set our faith to receive great things today. And we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Stay standing. If you would, uh, I just want to introduce my wife, Nikki. If you haven't met her, please. She likes people. Uh, so get down and meet her after the service. And I just got a few thank yous. Um, Thank you to the Savelles for receiving us, and um, Pastor Justin and Annette, we, we went to Africa with them, and uh, they've become just covenant friends with us, so thank you guys, Mr. Joe, Miss, Miss Joyce, Pastor Rick and Cassie, for, and all the team that helped us move in, which was great, uh, and just, I could go around the room, you know, Richard, for being so good looking, uh, <laughs> Vic, <laughs> so... If you got your Bibles, hold them up. They said in Texas everything's bigger, so I brought two Bibles. I figure, you know, two guns, two swords. And say this after me. This is my Bible. It's God's Word to me. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. And I am what it says I am. Today I'm a believer. And I'm a receiver. And I do believe believe that I will receive receive absolutely everything everything that God has for me today today. in Jesus' name. And if you believe that, say amen. 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 You may be seated. Well, if you're wondering what Michigan weather is like, go outside. (laughs) I'm going to Psalms chapter 126. Psalm chapter one, one person is excited about Psalm chapter 126. If you're asking yourself, who is this guy? Well, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm saved, delivered, healed, set free, radically saved. i glad to be here. <laughs> is it okay if we have a little fun today? I expect two things. Number one, you say amen. Number two, you laugh at my jokes, whether they're funny or not. <laughs> Psalm 126. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. 
Now I want to open this up and define a couple of things here for us today. It says that the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. This word turned a turning point. It is a decisive change in a situation that occurs, especially one with beneficial results. A turning point. It's a, it's a decisive change in a situation when that occurs, especially one with beneficial results. Now, the Hebrew word, if you study, I like to do word studies occasionally. I'm not a scholar or anything like that. Uh, that would be my wife. My wife was a, she got her master's in business, never made a B in her life. You know, she's, she's real smart, you know, that kind of thing. And so it was kind of, I was on, uh, we met at Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee. I grew up in Louisiana, just down the road in West Monroe, Louisiana. You might know West Monroe from the show Duck Dynasty, if you're into that. Uh, that kind of put West Monroe on the map. But uh, I went to Tennessee on scholar, basketball scholarship. She was, came down from Michigan on academic scholarship. So it was a classic case of the jock meets the nerd. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> thank you for laughing at my jokes. They get better. But this Hebrew word turned, it means to turn back, but not necessarily with the idea of returning to the starting point. In other words, it might look a little different. It's not the idea of turning to the starting point, but it does mean to turn back. And so when it's talking about that the Lord turned again the captivity, that's where he turned this situation around. Now, these are words that are synonyms of this word in the Hebrew. And I want to give them to you and then define them for you. The word recall. The word recompense. The word recover. Refresh. Relieve. Requite. And restore. Now I was meditating on this in between Christmas and New Year's. I was praying. I pray in the Holy Ghost. You know, I've, I've been praying in the Holy Ghost more than ever. You ought to be praying in the Holy Ghost more than ever. And as I was praying, the Lord, I was reading on this, and the Lord spoke these, these three things to me. He said, these are days of refreshing, restoring, let me look up the, the last one. And rejoicing. Refreshing, restoring, and rejoicing. And so when you talk about these words, recall. It means officially order someone to return to a place. Recompense. It's compensation or reward given to someone for loss or harm done. Recover. To find or regain possession of something that's lost or stolen. We're talking about turning the, the captivity. Amen. Refresh. To give new strength to. Relieve. To free someone from. Requite. To make an appropriate return for a wrongdoing. And restore. 
to cause someone or something to be in a specified condition. Now it says he turned to captivity. So we need to define this word captivity so we understand what God wants to do in our life. And then we can put faith on this, uh, you know, for our everyday living. So this word captivity, it means exile, prisoner or captive, or something that's kept in bondage or confinement. An exile is a prolonged absence from one's own home or country. A prisoner is a person that's confined or trapped by something. And confinement means, now listen to this, any restraint of liberty by force or obstacle. Now we know that God's got a good plan for us and good things, that it's the thief that comes to steal, to kill, come on, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, that you may have it more abundantly. The Amplified said, to the full, till it overflows. Now that's the kind of life that God wants for us. We know this, but we got to put our faith on this because that life that God, the Zoe kind of life or the God kind of life that he wants us to live is available to us, but we got to put our faith on it so that we walk in it. And so it could be defined as this. Captivity could be defined as anything that we've accepted as part of this life that is less than God's best. Now, God wants you to experience his best. And in fact, I believe in these end times that you're going to see him pouring out his blessing upon his people so that when the worldly people see us, they go, look what God has done for them. So that you could go, wow, God has done great things for us. Because that's what they'll say about you. And then you'll say, yes, God has done great things for us. But we got to get this in our mouth before he even does the great things. See, God wants us to begin to show our praise and show our faith while we get to the Red Sea, not after it parts. I was at, uh, I was headed up to a meeting. Now we have a business in Michigan. We still have it. And we, what we do is we do these marketing coupons that we sell through the high school athletics and they go out and they raise money this way. So we work with a lot of vendors like, you know, different restaurants and, and different places. We'll get this coffee company that's based in Michigan and they have over 220 stores in Michigan and other stores across the country. And anyway, we were doing this product with them, and it has gone really well, and people really receptive to it. But they had some franchise owners that didn't like it because it had a lot of free stuff on there. And so, you know, uh, we had some that participated and some that didn't. And you might have to drive past one to get the one that participated. Well, when the customer buys stuff like this, they don't know. They just see, you know, for example, it wasn't Subway, but if, if you see Subway and you got a coupon for Subway, you just think, well, I can go anywhere, any Subway, and they'll take it. Well, this wasn't the case with this, and, and so we had gotten some calls and things. And so, so this company called me into their corporate office, and I had already been in there two years prior, and where they, you know, uh, they weren't happy. You know, and I said, well, you know, they don't have to honor it, and we got the places listed that are honor it and all this. And it wasn't a good meeting the first time I'd been in there. So my mind was going to this as they called me back in to go up there to talk about this. 
Man, I remember being on the phone with somebody. I was telling them about it, and, and, and we prayed and that the presence of the Lord would go in there with me. And, and sure enough, I get in there, and I get into this meeting, and there's the new marketing guy, and he's sitting on my, on my right. And then the, these two girls, and, they, and so they, they get into it. You know, They start talking about who decided on these coupons and who authorized this and, and so on and so forth. And so they went on for a while, and, and I could... You know, finally I said, look, this is a good thing. You know, we're, we're, we're doing a good thing for high school athletics. We're raising thousands and tens and thousands of dollars. And, and over the years, uh, you know, the company I've been with, millions, multi, multi millions of dollars we raised for high school athletics. And so I started talking about this. I said, this isn't a bad thing. I just don't want to, you know. And this, this marketing guy, after he heard all this, and I could feel the presence of the Lord. I could feel it. I could feel this shift starting to take place, this, this turning, this shift that started to take place in this meeting. And I'm telling you, it was tangible. And so anyway, the, the, the new marketing guy hasn't said much, and all of a sudden now he speaks up. He says, you know, I've listened to both sides here, and, you know, I just don't see the negative in this. And, and I think we need our company's adrenaline. He said, I think we need to take this adrenaline relationship and use it to our advantage and to get the most we can out of some partnership with adrenaline. Said, so, uh, yeah, I think so, too. He said, he said, in fact, he said, I not only want you at the time we worked with about 60 stores. He said, I not only work, want you to work with our 60 stores. But I want to take this nationwide with every store that we have in the country. What was that? That was God turning that situation to our favor. And that's what he's going to do in these last days. And that's what this means is he's he's going to restore things in your life. You had anything lost or stolen? The devil stolen anything from you? Money, a relationship. How about time? It says that he will restore the years. That's what that's talking about. That he'll redeem the time that you've lost. The money that you've lost. Because that word restore, it means a recompense. Another word for that is a reconstitution or restitution. That's what it means. Now I want to take a look at a couple of other passages. Now this this word in the Hebrew, if you're into concordance and studies, is number 7725. So you can look that up later. But let's look at a couple of uh, passages where it talked about the same thing. In Genesis chapter 14, if you'll turn there. Now this is, this is Abram and, and Lot, verse 12. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. So they took Lot and his goods. And verse 14, Abram heard that this, that his brother was taken and he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit. We ought to be in pursuit. I said, we ought to be in pursuit, you know, like Roscoe Pico train in hot pursuit. Get, get, get. (laughs) <laughs> but he didn't just sit back and let things be stolen from him or his family. 
He divided his forces against them by night and he and his servants attacked, say attack, and pursued them as far as these cities. So he brought back, verse 16, he brought back all the goods, say all the goods. And also brought back his brother Lot and his goods. So it wasn't just that he went and got Lot and Lot's goods, because that's what verse 12 said, is that they had taken Lot and Lot's goods. It's that he brought back Lot, Lot's goods, and all the goods. Do you get that? And so, see, when God restores, he's not just restoring things just what you has been taken, but God's going to add to it. That's what he does. So, <laughs> and so he brought back all the goods, but the, and then he goes on to talk about how he tithed on, on all the goods. So that word brought back is the same word, turned to captivity that we find in Psalms chapter 126. Let's look at another example, 1 Samuel chapter 30. David, verse 1, and his men came, came to uh, Ziklag. And that, what happened was they found that everything was burned. They had burned the city. They had taken their wives, their sons, their daughters. Verse 4, David and the people who were with them, him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Now you can imagine if you're coming home, your house is burned down, everyone that you love is gone. And this is, this is what they... And so verse 6, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But watch this. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. In times of great distress, we must strengthen ourselves in the Lord our God. Even when it seems like everybody's against us, we must strengthen ourselves in the Lord our God and go back and remember what God has done. Psalm 78 said they forgot His works and that they limited the Holy One of Israel because they forgot. If they would have just gone back and said, Oh God, I remember when you led us by the cloud by day, a fire by night. I remember when you parted the Red Sea. I remember when we got water from a rock. I remember when food came down from heaven. And we, we, we begin to recall the things that God has done in our life. That's what we got to do in times where it seems like times of trouble. And that's what David began to do is strengthen himself in the Lord. And so David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered and said, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Same word, same word. Then it goes on to say, David pursued. And then verse 18. So David, what happened? Recovered all. Say recovered all. That the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great. See, see, God cares about the small things too. The small things that 
You know, maybe seems small to someone else, but they were big to you. Those things. He cares about those things too. And so small or great, it doesn't matter. They recovered all. Sons or, sons or daughters, spoil, or anything that had been taken from them, David recovered all. Now watch this, verse 20. Then David took all the flocks and herds, and they had, dri- they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. So it wasn't just that he recovered what was stolen from him. It says he took all the goods and this became his spoil. So it wasn't that, that he just got what he, what was stolen is that God added all of it. Restore. See, it's not with the idea of returning to the starting point. You get that. All right. Job. You know what happened to Job and, and Satan was saying, I'm, what are you doing? Well, I'm running to and fro, having my way. So Job loses some things. Verse 6, he says, teach me, I will hold my tongue. See, he got in a, he got in a Brother Jerry Savelle meeting and learned to, learned to speak good words, confession. He said, teach me, I will hold my tongue. He's doing good right now. Cause me to understand where and I've erred, how forceful are right words. He understands this. And just a few verses later, in chapter 7, in verse 11, he says, Therefore I will, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. And so chapters go by. <laughs> Or there's this conversation happening. And if we skip over to Job, did I tell you what chapter? No. Chapter 32. Verse 1. So these three men ceased answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Mm. Verse 2. His wrath was aroused because he justified himself rather than God. Chapter 40, the Lord answered Job and said, shall the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Verse 4, Job says, I am vile, what shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. You know, sometimes we got to learn to, when, when things come our way that's not positive, we got to start learning to lay our hand over our mouth so that we're not complaining and because how forceful are right words. And until we can get the word coming in our mouth, we better get our hand over our mouth. Isn't that right? Because if you're going to just go around complaining in the bitterness of your soul, I, 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 I feel like uh, the amens are, have kind of drowned. You know, the amen, the, the amen meter has. Amen. <laughs> We've got to get it back. Right. Praise God. 
And in chapter 42, You say you pay for amen. You know, it's sewing. <laughs> sewing. <laughs> now, let me remind you what the Lord said to me. He said, these are days of refreshing, restoring, and rejoicing. We see that when God restores, look at Job, Job 42, verse 10. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice. See, it wasn't with the idea of returning Job to the starting point. He not only got his stuff, but the Lord added to it. We serve a God of double. I heard a preacher say years ago, he said, God will give you double for your trouble. That was what you tell You know. Okay, well. For, uh, sometimes you try stuff and it doesn't work. And, but in verse, in chapter 42, in verse 5, I have heard of you. This is Job. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eye sees you. See, there's a difference in knowing about God and knowing God. See, it says my people perish for lack of knowledge. See, when you, when you come into this place where you begin to understand that God is a good God. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. He's a God of forgiveness. He's rich in mercy because of his great love. And he doesn't want you to go through hard times. Jesus said in this world you have tribulation, but... He didn't stop there, did he? He said, be of good cheer. Paul says, our, our light affliction is but for a moment. And see, we got to understand that this, that compared to eternity, that this is just a short amount of time. Theologians said this was just, uh, just a few months for Job that he went through this. So it's not that we're going to be exempt from going through things, but it's not God that causes them, but God is with us through them. Isn't that right? And so he wants to not only restore the things that we've lost, but, but add to them. But look what Job, he says, I can see you now. In other words, I got revelation of you, God. Now, now you're not just a thing on Sunday morning where I know it's right to go to church. You know, I, I, I know, I know about going to church. I know it's right, you know, and, and, and so we got to, we got to do this and church, going to church is a good thing. It's a good habit to get into, you know, but praise God, man. I sure hope the praise and worship team's got something good for me today. <laughs> you know, but, but, but to come because I love God. I, see, I know that he's got good things for me and I've got a relationship with him. And it's, and it's, I'm coming to, I can worship him and praise him. And, and for everything that he's done for me, everything he's going to do for me. And it, you know, it doesn't become this ritualistic thing. We, we come in faith. Lord, I believe today on the way to church. I believe today 
that today I'll see marvels. Come on. Wonders. Come on. And extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. That's the way we got to come. So we can put the expectation on this. Where where are you going to get your freedom from? Walmart? All they want is your money. (laughs) Just like the movie theater and all these other places. They just want your money. God's trying to get things to you. Verse 6. Job says, Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Do you know that repentance isn't a dirty word? I remember being in church growing up and evangelists would come in and say, repent or you're going to hell. You don't hear messages like that much anymore, do you? No, you don't. I was like, oh, Lord, I was at the altar. Oh, God, I repent. You know, I was like, I'm not saying this was right, but, you know, it was. I was saved one day, not saved the next. You know, it's like every meal, Lord, and please forgive me of any sins that I don't know about. <laughs> then that book came out, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. Yeah. And they even pinpointed like, you know, two to four days. I was on my knees those days, brother, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Lord Jesus, take me with you. And I was just a little boy. So it's not that we're trying to get people in fear about their salvation. We got to know who we are in God. But I found that the, that the closer I get to God, there's, there's more things that I'm sensitive to. So Lord, I, I, I repent of that. I, I didn't treat that person the way there's, there's things that I'm more sensitive to. Repentance is the plow that will soften the soil of your heart so that the Word of God can produce in your life. Repentance is the plow that will soften the soil of your heart so that the Word of God can produce in your life. See, I want the Word of God to produce in my life a hundredfold. All the time. I want to be a receiver of the word of God, because the word of God can change my life. The Bible says that, that the word is health to my flesh. I believe today as you're sitting under the word, that the word of God is going into your physical body and strengthening you today. That's what I believe. But we got to put this, our faith on this. So uh, Acts chapter three talking about refreshing. We looked at restoration. We're looking at refreshing. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be, may, may be blotted out so that times of, what does it say? Refreshing. May come from the presence of the Lord. Refreshing means a recovery of breath or 
a revival. Now, I believe Jesus is coming soon. I believe he's coming soon. I think about this. I've got my mind on it. I got my mind on his return. And I purpose that I can live knowing that he's coming soon, that I can stand before him and say, Lord, I did everything that you called me to do. See, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with the days of, of playing around with God. I, I, I like being funny, but this is serious to me. I, I, I want to know that I've touched everybody that he's called me to touch. I want to know that I've lived the life that he called me to live, that I fulfilled my purpose, my destiny. And see, if I, if my eyes aren't on that, Jesus said, was talking about all the end signs that you'll see in, in Luke chapter 21, I believe. And he gets to the end. He says, when you see the beginning of these signs, look up and lift up your head because your redemption draws near. See, I'm looking forward to the day. Maybe you're not, but I am. I'm looking forward to the day where I can stand in heaven at the throne of God and begin to praise and worship him like never before. To be able to experience the joy and the peace that comes through salvation. I'm looking forward to that day. See, I don't have time to mess around with the world anymore. I'm not there anymore. I'm way past messing around with worldly things. How about you? How about you? There's things in our life. You know, I've seen people fight. I've seen people fight to live worldly. And there are things in our life that just aren't profitable. For our walk with God. You know, he's still a jealous God and he still wants all of us. Nothing in the nothing in the way, nothing blocking anything from between us and him. That times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. I remember being in those revival in the eighties and, and, uh, I remember all the times at the altars when you see people at the altar and they would just being in the presence of the Lord and you'd see people crying and you see people dancing at the altar and just, you know, women that would come in with their makeup and they walk out and it's all, you know, <laughs> waterproof makeup, waterproof. Makeup. No, I don't know anything about that. But I remember those times. You know, even as a little boy, it just left such an impression on me. And I long for that day again. I long for that day again where people are so hungry and thirsty for the presence of God. It says that, that we're to forsake not the assembling of ourselves as is the manner of some. See, I don't hang with the people that say, oh, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But it says that we're to exhort one another all the more as what the day approaches. All the more. Where are you going to get in the presence of God? 
You're going to find it in church for sure. This is a Holy Ghost church. This is a church where the presence of God is. You're not going to find the presence of God at Bedside Baptist. Mr. Jim, I'm talking about when people sleep in. That's why they miss church. This side over here is getting it. This side, I don't know. You're going to find the presence of God in church. I hear people say, well, you know, Miss you at Wednesday night service. Why didn't you come? I was too tired. Well, the reason why you're so tired is because you didn't come to church. I'll go back over here. I'm feeling the love more from this side. I'm feeling the love more from this side. I think I'll preach over here. Mark chapter 2 talks about how they pressed in. On the house where Jesus was. They pressed in so much. That the house was so full. There were people on the outside. You couldn't even get inside. The the whole house was filled inside. And there were people standing on the outside. I long for the day. Where heritage of faith. The overflow section is filled. The foyer is filled. They got to put people in the back room. Where the copier is. In the green room. And all the places behind the stage. They got to put up. TV screens just so they can see. I long for the day. See, I want to be in church every night. I want to experience the presence of God every night. That's where I want to be. Mr. Joe gets to go to church almost every night. A lot. A lot more than all of us. That's where I want to be. Don't you? Don't you want to experience that? Don't you want to get in the presence? There's nothing like that. That's where your refreshing comes from. That's where your strength comes from. They pressed in. They had, they, had to, they had to lower a man from the roof. These people were hungry. These people were thirsty. Raise your hand to heaven and say, Lord, Lord, I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. In Jesus' name. Restoring, refreshing, and rejoicing. Turn back to Psalm chapter 126. Psalm chapter 126. It says, When the Lord brought back or turned the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Watch this. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. Say that with me. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. Nikki and I heard the voice of the Lord very clearly. That we were to Genesis chapter 12. Get out of your father's country, get out of his house, go to the land, I'll show you. 
And our step of faith was to go to her dad, our pastor, for 18, 19 years. And all the family lives right there within 10 minutes of each other. And it's a tight family. And they go to him and say, we have to leave. Where are you going? We don't know. What are you going to do? No idea. We just know we heard the voice of the Lord. And <laughs> so there, so you get through that with that conversation and, you know, you're sitting in your living room going, what am I doing? <laughs> but like David, you have to encourage yourself in the Lord and what the Lord said. And so that's what I began to do one day. I'm sitting there and that's how, that's where all this message came about. And I'm sitting there and I remember that song we used to sing when I was a kid. For he has done great things. He has done great things. He has done Great things, bless His holy name. Well, I started thinking, well, my future, I don't even know what it is. So I began to sing, for you will do great things. I'm in my living room. For you will do great things. For you will do great things. Bless your holy name. So we begin. I'm starting to walk around the living room furniture. Just starting to pace around. Thinking about the goodness of God. Thinking about what he's done. Thinking about what he's going to do. And I begin to rejoice. I begin to praise him. See, I don't know. I, I can't be in control all the time. And that's okay. Amen. Amen. That's good. Yes. <laughs> you know, a lot of us are too in control of our lives. It reminds me of a joke. Knock, knock. Control freak. Now you say control freak who? The co- Lindsay, you got it. (laughs) Rejoicing. In Chronicles, they got, they said, let's get all the praisers. Let's get them out in front. Let's get them on the front lines. Let me give you some scriptures. Rejoicing. Psalms 5.11, but let, let all those who rejoice put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy. Psalms 32.11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy. Psalm 35.27, let the shout for joy, let them shout for joy and be glad. 
Psalm 47, 1. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. And I really like this one in Psalm chapter 8. I want to read this to you. Do you all have the Passion Translation back there? Psalm chapter 8, verse 2 in the, in, the, uh, in the Passion Translation. For he has done great things. Psalms chapter 8, verse 2. He has done great things. Is it up yet? For he has done great things. Bless his whole... Okay, here we go. Lee. I led, I led choir in a musical. I, I was the conductor. You have built a stronghold by the songs of babies. Strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. Well, I think we ought to have some childlike praise in here. That's what I think. Hallelujah. We bless you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shut the devil's mouth. Shut his mouth. Shut his mouth. Nikki, come here. We have a, we have a microphone. Now I, I was I was you may be seated. I was at I was at this. I was going through this and I, and I told Nikki what the Lord spoke. Days of refreshing, restoring, and rejoicing. And that's all I told her. I didn't tell her anything else about this message. Well, the next week she was in prayer, and uh, she would pray. We pray. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying. And. Um, I came down and she goes, "Woo!" I was like, what? She goes, the Lord just spoke to me and tell him what he said. I was sitting there and how many of you know you want heaven on earth, right? That's what we want. That's manifestation, right? So I was talking to God about that this morning and just praying and being in his presence. And he started speaking to me about lightning. And I thought lightning, he's like, yeah, heaven on earth. I thought, oh my gosh, that's good. So I started looking up lightning and, um, The funny thing about lightning is it can occur from cloud to cloud, but the only way it can go from cloud to earth is when something from the earth, similar to it, reaches up. And then it reaches down. See, a connection is made. A connection is made. So lightning needs a connection. And you know, we want heaven on earth, but we got to connect with heaven. We got to stop waiting for heaven to connect to earth. So we reach up and we bring it down. The great, and then another great thing about lightning is it's, gonna, it's going to travel in the path of least resistance, which means you got to get doubt and unbelief out. It's out. you got to get rid of it. You've got to meditate on the word. If you, if you like these messages on victory and you like what Pastor Eric's saying today, you've got to meditate on this. You've got to meditate on it until it becomes so real to you that you know you're going to reach up and it's going to come down. And so when it, and then, you know, lightning always gets followed by thunder, which is loud, right? Well, thunder, the thing about thunder is when that lightning 
And when it comes down in that streak and it comes down to the earth, it says, my meteorologist says, that um, that lightning is so powerful that when it comes down, air molecules get thrown out of the way because a violent expansion happens. And isn't that what happens when you hear the word and all of a sudden your mind opens up to who God is and what he can do? And then right away, don't you start rejoicing? Because all of a sudden, it's true to you. It's not just something you read. It's not just something you heard. Now it's yours. You know? So that's what I want, lightning. Amen. So we got to bless the Lord at all times. See, I think that's what David was saying in, in Psalms 103 when he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Sometimes you got to talk to yourself. That's right. You're right. You said, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. I'm not moved by what I feel right now. I don't, I don't feel like going to church, but bless the Lord, soul, you're going. I don't feel like praying this morning, but bless the Lord, soul, you're going to pray. You're going to forget not all his benefits, who heals all your diseases, who forgives Oh, your iniquities. That's what we got to do. We got to be about rejoicing at all times. And that's what I see coming in. I see the presence of God coming stronger and stronger and stronger as the people of God connect with him through praise. We connect with him. It's like, oh, you know, how, how... Enoch just walked on. He got so in, into the presence of the Lord where, where he just walked on out right into, it, right into his presence. And Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Je- Jesus said this. Stand with me. Maybe I get some help on the keyboard. Jesus said this. And I never thought about this until the Lord dropped this message in my heart. Remember when the, the, he sent out the 70? And they came back and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. Remember what he said to them? Rejoice not in this, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. It's, it's an eternal, in other words, this is an eternal thing. This isn't something that's just, you know, temporary or some, some little antidote. This is a part of who we are. And there's a lot of healthy people that don't get born again that will go to hell. And here, here's what I, what I see what he was saying is let's, let's get this back to focus here. We're going to spend eternity in heaven. The us that are born again. And that's, that's where we have to be. That's where we have to be about helping others, bringing them into the kingdom. I don't know if you ever sat back and thought about eternity. My, my mind can't even fathom. It says in Ephesians that 
now. Now. We're citizens of heaven now. When we, when we come, when we get born again, it's now. And so our attention and focus to begin to look up for his coming. It's soon. I just know it. And none of this other stuff matters. This, this stuff that has gotten in doesn't matter. It's about Him. It's about recalibrating, refocusing. I'm I'm preaching to myself. Father, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you that you're a God of mercy. You're a God of grace. You're rich in mercy. Right now, Father, Lord, we take inventory of our life. Right now, we take inventory of our life. And I pray, Father, that you show us things that aren't profitable, things that you want to prune so that we can bear more fruit. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. You know, if you you want to... Come pray at these altars. The altar's open. It's just, it's just an outward display. It's, it's a public acknowledgement that there's a turn, that there's things, a commitment, a recommitment. I thank you for it, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Times of refreshing. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're refreshing your people right now. You're refreshing your people right now. I speak strength to physical bodies. I, I want to encourage I want to encourage those of you that are elders in the faith. You're an elder. You're you're older than me. You're an elder in the faith. I want to encourage you not that you've not that you've disengaged. I'm not saying that but encourage and exhort you to pour into these young people. Pour into them. Tell them what you know. Let them catch your spirit. So I speak strength to physical bodies right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you. Sickness you go in Jesus' name. Pain you leave in Jesus' name. I want to pray for gums, like in your mouth, gums. 
If you've had problems with your gums, Lord, if that's you, just lift up. If you had problems with your gums, just lift up your hand. If you see somebody with your hand lifted, just put your hand on them. Put your hand on them. Father, we pray for gums. We speak health to gums, health to teeth right now in Jesus' name. Command every cavity to dry up in the name of Jesus. You will not spread any further. I speak to receded gums. You will grow back in the place that God designed you to be in the name of Jesus. No more decay. I speak to roots and I command you to come alive in Jesus' name. I thank you, great physician, that you're doing root canals all over this building in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I thank you for it. Let's just pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Here's what David said. Here's what David said. In Psalm 23. He says... The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. He refreshes and restores my life. The King James says, my soul. He refreshes our soul. The mind, the, the will, the emotions... The places where, where people experience hurt and pain, betrayal. And, and in fact, so much so for some people that they enter into things to deal with it. But the presence of the Lord is here today to heal your soul. Yes. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Father. So I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if that's you, just slip up your hand so we can pray for you. Father, we just pray, Lord, right now, for those that have been wounded, have been hurt. Lord, for the for the scars of life that have come upon people. Lord, we pray right now for a refreshing. We pray right now for a peace. Lord, I thank you that your anointing flows over them as ointment, as healing ointment for their soul. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' mighty name. Well, if you believe that today, give the Lord a good shout. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Hi.